Welcome to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 92, Grow Your Heart Like the Grinch. It's February 2nd, 2023. I'm your host, Lisa A. Lundy, author, blogger, YouTuber, motivational speaker, and clearly podcaster. I'm also a member of the Newsweek Expert Forum. What I do is I help people be happy, healthy, and well-loved even when life is extremely difficult. As my disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any way, and my music is by Howie Moscovich. Grow your heart like the Grinch. Well, I'm very excited. I'm very excited about this topic. And if you're not familiar with how the Grinch stole Christmas, spoiler alert, you might get some information. And this is not something that we walk around talking about, which of course is why we're talking about it here, because I think it's important. And you can actually grow your heart, which I'll get into. So if you happen to be new to my content, I hope you're going to visit my website at www.lisaalundy.com and enter my current giveaway because that would make me happy. It's a little way to spoil my people with some free stuff here and there. The next piece of this podcast is my disclaimer, which is very important. Nothing that I say, write, record, do videos on anything, is intended to be medical or therapy advice in any capacity. I'm not a licensed therapist or healthcare provider, and you as a consumer should always get your medical or therapy advice from a licensed healthcare provider, of which I'm not. So there's my disclaimer. Now, if you happen to be listening to this podcast and you feel hopeless or just incredibly depressed or sad, or you're thinking about suicide or harming yourself, I'm asking you to call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That number again is 1-800-273-8255. I am asking you to tell people. I'm asking you to talk to people. I'm asking you to take the help that's available because there is help available. And I hope you're going to do that. All right. Now, so what do I mean by grow your heart like the Grinch? Well, here's the spoiler alert. Okay. So the, how the Grinch stole Christmas was an originally original in its original format came out in 1966 and it was an animated children's film and spoiler alert in the original. Now it's been remade, I think at least maybe two more times. So I'm not familiar with the remakes and any deviation, but in the original 1966, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, spoiler alert, the Grinch's heart grows three sizes in a day and, and he finds the strength of 10 Grinches plus two or the equivalent of 12 Grinches. So his heart grows three sizes in a day, and he becomes extremely strong, like 12 inches strong. So it's interesting because we really don't talk about growing our heart. We, it's not just typically something we talk about. But you can do that, which is, of course, the whole topic of this and my assertion. So my assertion is 
that your heart is actually malleable. So malleable means capable of being shaped or formed, easily controlled or influenced, able to adjust to changing circumstances, or adaptable. So we really don't talk about the human heart being adaptable. But even though we're not talking about it, as I go through the, the content of this podcast, I think it's going to be, I think it'll be very, very clear to you. So for some people, their hearts are very brittle. And when I say their hearts are very brittle, you could say their hearts are small, or you could say that they are easily hurt, easily wounded, easily offended, easily slighted. Like that's how their heart is. And that's some people. And it's, and it's a function of a lot of things, which I'm also going to talk about. But it is a sign that they haven't been well-loved in life. Or it could be a sign that what's called for is growth and development. Now, the thing about people who have smaller hearts or who are easily wounded, slighted, hurt, you can't just tell that by looking at somebody. There are some very successful people walking around in the world, CEOs and very successful people or very extroverted people who are so easily hurt and so easily slighted. It's it's sad. So you can't, there's not like a personality profile that I can give you, or I would, about what does a person look like who has a brittle heart or who has a small heart? So I would give it to you if there was one. And some people, by the way, do a reasonably decent job of hiding the fact that they have a small heart or they're easily wounded or offended. So the next piece of this, so your heart is malleable. So that's the first piece. So I want to talk to you for a moment about why this is so important. It's, it's, in my opinion, it's very, very significant. So, well, the topic of love has been researched. I mean, if you look in PubMed, PubMed Central, and happiness has been researched. Love and happiness aren't the exact same thing. Now, genuine feelings of love usually bring happiness, usually bring feelings of happiness, but not always. So love doesn't equal happiness, and happiness is much more researched in the research. So there's a really significant body of research that proves that happiness, different from love, but happiness is good for your heart, it's good for your immune system, it's good for your mental health, your physical health, your emotional health. It's and I've done podcasts about that, listing, you know, 15 or more benefits of happiness. So I want to make sure you understand that love doesn't always mean happiness and love doesn't equate or doesn't equal to happiness although they usually come together. Now, one of the things I've talked about in previous podcasts, which is a topic I love, is neuroplasticity of the brain. What that is, is that's the science that has proven that your brain can grow and change over time with intentional actions, and in the process, your brain uh, develops new neuronal pathways. And what they discovered in this research on neuroplasticity of the brain, actually in the Marion Diamond Research Lab, Marion Diamond, by the way, being considered the mother of neuroplasticity, she had uh, her 
um, assistants do an experiment with the rats or animals, whichever they were, and take them out of the cages and pet them sweetly and say nice things to them. Basically give them love, love and attention, or TLC. It was referred to in the research, Tender Loving Care. So what happened as a result? Well, I want to read to you a quote from an article titled Neuroplasticity and Clinical Practice, Building Brain Power for Health by Joyce Schaefer. So here's the quote. Perhaps love is one of the most valuable, intentional, emotional experiences humans can produce to drive brain plasticity in a positive direction. It is significant that the only change in experimental paradigm in the Diamond Research Lab was the addition of TLC in holding and talking to the rats. That's Diamond et al. 1984. And that this TLC resulted in continued production of neuroplastic gains through a 50% increase in lifespan to the, to the human equivalent of 90 years, end quote. So what is Joyce Schaefer saying? Well, what she's saying is that you know, they, the only change they made in the experiment was giving the rats TLC. And they did increase in neuroplasticity in the brain, which is very significant. And their lifespan increased. So neuroplasticity is, has several implications to humans in terms of possibly or potentially, and I do say possibly or potentially, you know, having an impact on the development or the propensity to develop Alzheimer's, dementia, or, you know, aging brain and aging for sure. And I even did see a mention of the potential impact for individuals who have autism. And certainly there was references to individuals who have a brain injury. So what we know about neuroplasticity is that your brain can grow new neuronal pathways, which can be healing and very, very impactful. And we know from the Diamond research that love or TLC was, was the only thing that was responsible in one of the experiments. So what I really want to talk to you about is your capacity for love, your capacity to love, your capacity to give love, your capacity to receive love. And in this discussion, <laughs> I want to mention the Velveteen Rabbit. Now, that's a children's story uh, written in or published in 1922, written by Marjorie Williams. And I don't know if you're familiar with that children's book or not, but I do think every person in the world should be. I personally was not familiar with that story as a child growing up. However, I have to tell you that in college, I had a platonic friend and she gave me that book at some point before we graduated with the inscription that said, thank you for making me real. Now, The Velveteen Rabbit, children's story by Marjorie Williams is about love and it's about being well loved and it's about being well loved and authentic and real 
And so it's extremely valuable, but we're not talking about that. Like, what does it mean to be well-loved? Well, here, a platonic friendship was significant enough for my friend to give me the book with the inscription, thank you for making me real. I mean, I had no I had no idea. I, I took it. I was like, oh, thank you so much. And, you know, all excited. I took it home and I'm like, what? What? What is this? I don't I don't even know what this is. I, I just didn't know. It's a beautiful story. So beautiful. And so we we can be loved by people in a way that it changes us. And so I want to talk to you all about that because, of course, love is so powerful you want love, and you want to be able to grow your heart like the Grinch. So if you're not familiar with The Velveteen Rabbit, go get it, read it, and make sure that's how your life is going, and make sure your kids know about it. So the next piece of this podcast is abundant, abundance versus scarcity. So some people operate in life with a philosophy that love is scarce. So there's a limited amount of love and they have to fight for their love or take their share or somebody else will take their share. And then there's a kind of opposite view, which is love is abundant. Love is abundant. There's an endless supply of love. There's plenty of love to go around. Now those are two polar, uh, polar opposite views. And I don't know what view you have, you know, and you may be somewhere in between. I mean, it's not black or white. It's not all or nothing. But those kind of are the two opposite ends of the continuum or the spectrum. I don't know where you are, but that would be a good thing to ponder and contemplate. That I, I happen to be love is abundance. There's plenty of love. There's plenty enough to go around. And I think that reason why I'm talking about this particular aspect of love is because when you're raising children or when you have children, one of the ways where people kind of go down the rabbit hole is they don't prepare their children or their child for the addition of a new baby or an adopted child or in the case of blended families, children coming together. And children, without being properly prepared, naturally, naturally, in my opinion, slide down the rabbit hole towards now there's not going to be enough for me. Now there's two people to share mommy's love or daddy's love. Or now there's going to be another person to take my share. That's just my opinion based on research and experience. And I do, I have a podcast titled, Make Your Children Be Nice to Each Other. And in that podcast, which of course I'm a diehard fan of, and you'll hear more <laughs> why later, um, in that podcast, I talk about all the crazy things I did to prepare my first child for the new baby and my first and second child for the addition of a third child. And I'm a diehard fan of helping children understand love is abundant. There's plenty of love. And a new baby or, you know, in case if you were adopting or blending a family doesn't mean that there's less love. But that's where some people go. So love is abundant. And you want to, in my opinion, of course, that's a view. That's a particular view. You don't have to share that view. It's fine if you want to walk around thinking love is scarce. Go, 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 right, go right ahead. I have no skin in the game about how you live. 
But here's the thing. What we know from the research is up to somewhere between 70 to 96% of American families fall into the category of being dysfunctional. Well, dysfunctional means something's not functioning right. Something's off. And in some cases, something's very, very off. And one of the things that is often missing in a dysfunctional family, which isn't all families, but it's, not, it's a heck of a lot of them, is love and affection. When children are growing up, and it's their formative years, that's where they learn about love and affection and love and whether love is abundant or scarce. So we have a high percentage of at least Americans who are likely, we could say, not properly learning about love while they're growing up. Now we're going to pile on because according to a February 3rd, 2020 article in Psychology Today Online, up to 80%, up to 80% of children experience some form of maltreatment while they're growing up in their own family at the hands of a sibling. So that's up to 80% of children who are mistreated in some fashion by a sibling while they were growing up in their own house in their family. So how is that going to give someone the idea that love is amazing and love is abundant and that they're loved and they're worthy? Now, that's not the kind of thing that helps form proper or potentially, I'm going to say it's proper, uh, views and expectations about love. Because those are the things, being mistreated or bullied in your own family or having a dysfunctional family, which could mean many, many things. Uh, those are the things that cause low self-esteem, that cause ruminations and brooding, negative thinking, you know kids growing up with all kinds of problems. That's what causes that. So is it any wonder that people don't know how to grow their heart or that people are walking around with small hearts? No, it's no wonder. We have all the evidence. It's also no no wonder that the suicide rate is so high. People, you know, young people don't feel well loved. They don't feel like they make a difference. They don't feel like they matter. And so, you know, there you have it. So love is, in my opinion, abundant. It's just everywhere and can be everywhere. Or you could view it as it's scarce. Boy, you better, you better protect your love. You better get your share. You know, or anywhere in between. Like you can be anywhere on the continuum. My suggestion is it's way, way more powerful to live in the space that love is abundant. So I want to talk to you a little bit more about love before I talk to you about the things that will shrink your heart and the things that will grow your heart and then some suggestions. So I'm a fan of being love. And when I say being love, I mean that you be love. You be the representation of love. You be the embodiment of love. So sometimes when I use the word be the embodiment of love, people don't really know what I'm talking about. So embodiment means a tangible or visible form or idea or quality or feeling 
or the representation or expression of something that is tangible or visible. So you want to be love. So when I say you want to be love, what I mean is you want to be a tangible and visible form of love. You And so I'm going to, I'm going to give you an example. <laughs> I know you just, you just love these stories from my past, right? So I am extremely good at love. It's one of my superpowers. I know I have, I have a few and then there's things that I'm just so bad at people. It's terrible. But at any rate, uh, back in the day, back in the day means years ago, I was brought in to be, oh, and by the way, this is a professional work story about love. So I was brought in to be the executive director of a newly formed coalition. They didn't call it a coalition, but it was a coalition. So it was several groups brought together under one umbrella for a common cause, you know, mission to work together. And I was brought in as the new executive director by their choice. I mean, they had my resume and they decided, yeah, yeah, she's the one. So they bring me in and, and I get the contact information from, for all the different individuals in the organization, the other organizations, executive directors, and I have to send out my first email to everyone, which was, you know, typical. And so I write this email, basically asking for their contact information and some other information to put together a roster, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, this was a newly formed coalition, by the way. So I was the first executive director to be brought in. So it was in the, it was a group that was in formulation stage. If you know about the stages of changes, uh, in the beginning, you're forming, you're in formulation stage. So I write this email and then at the end of the email, I have to decide how I'm going to sign off. Am I going to say sincerely? Am I going to say fondly? Am I going to do what some people do, which is they just put their name with no words or no, no, no signature closing? What, how was I going to sign my very first email going out to everyone? Well, I thought about it for maybe like two minutes and I decided, well, you know what? I'm pretty much a diehard fan of being my authentic real self. So I'm going to sign it. Love, Lisa. So I sent out my first professional email as the executive director to all the other executive directors and the other positions and the other individuals who were participating. Love, Lisa. And I thought about it. I mean, I thought, oh, well, you know what? They might decide. <laughs> they might decide after that email, mm, I'm not for them. And if that's what they decided, then that's that's what they decided. So, you know, because if I'm not for them, well, of course, then they should have someone else. So if signing my email, love Lisa, meant psh, I'm out, so what? So there was not a word spoken about it. And I continued to sign my emails, love, love Lisa. And then about four years in or so, we had a big, there was a big conference and a big gala dinner and we're there giving out awards to different, you know, individuals and groups and whatnot. And then, and then uh, two of the executive directors got up and they started uh, talking about who, who in their right mind would sign a professional email, love, and then their name. Well, I instantly thought, oh my God, they're talking about me. Oh no. 
And I looked around at all the different dinner tables and people were just looking at each other like, yeah, who would do that? Like, that's crazy. That's like, I mean, I was looking at the people at my table. I mean, I knew it was me because I was the only one who did that. I was kind of a little hopeful that maybe other people would adopt that. No, no, people did not adopt that. So, so they basically roasted me nicely, fondly, lovingly. It was very, was very funny about all the thoughts they had about who would do that. And then they gave me this cute little metal love sign. It's like the postage stamp where the, the four letters are make a block, which of course is a beautiful memento. It's something that I cherish. And, uh, but, but that's like an example, like, they all got pretty early on. I'm about love. I'm about love in a big way. And I take love wherever I go because it's what I do. And I'm going to tell you, so that's a, that's a professional story. Oh, by the way, yeah, I still sign professional emails, love Lisa. Because the reality is that's what works for me. That's who I am. And if people don't want to be with me, participate with me, deal with me because I sign Love Lisa. They're not for me. Like, really. So I'm going to tell you one other personal story as an example of the embodiment of love or having it be a visible, tangible thing. So you really are very clear about being love. So back in the day, I was at a reunion. I won't even say say what, what kind of reunion. Anyway, so I'm at this reunion and I, what I did, now I didn't tell people I was going to do this. I just went and did it because that's kind of also my MO. I just go do stuff. So at the reunion, uh, of course, I knew a lot of people and I had lovely conversations. It was wildly fun. It was amazing. But if I saw someone at the reunion who was standing by themselves I would go over, introduce myself if I didn't already know them, and and invite them to join a different group so they weren't alone. I mean, I would I had that conversation. Well, hi, how are you? Blah blah. I'm Lisa. Blah, blah. Uh, so I see you're standing here alone, and I don't like that. So I'd like to take you over here and introduce you to some other people. I mean, people were like, oh my god. But guess what? Almost everyone said yes, and they loved it. And it made me feel good because, of course, I don't want to see people standing alone ever anywhere. So I didn't think two thoughts about that. That's just something I would do. And then, oh, several years later, I was at a private little get-together, a little soiree, and there was a woman there who I really uh, didn't know too well like kind of at all but she was very sweet and we had a lovely conversation and then she finally looked at me and she said you know I just really want to say something to you I said okay go ahead and she said well you know a couple of years ago at that reunion I'm like uh yeah she said well I was watching you and what I saw was all night long you would go to people who were by themselves and then take them to be with other people. And she said, I watched you all night. You did that all throughout the entire reunion. You did that. And I just sat there. I was just kind of stunned and, and shocked because of course I was busted. That is exactly what I had done. But I never thought about someone watching me. I never thought about the impact. I just do what I do. And I was like, oh, yeah, um, yeah, 
I'm busted. I, I did do that. Yes, I did. She just said, you know, that was just like so amazing. And it was so beautiful to watch. And I just really wanted to tell you how amazing that was. And I was like, wow, I'm like, okay, thank you. But I didn't do that for, uh, to get love and affection. I didn't do that for some good feeling. I did that because when you love people and you just have love, you of course don't want people feeling alone and you want to like help get things going for them. So that's an example of <laughs> doing what you like doing what you love. All right. So, so you want to grow your heart so that love is available to you everywhere you go and no matter what you're doing. And I'm going to talk next about the things that can hurt your heart or actually cause your heart to shrink, which are, there are tons of tons. I have like 20. So being hurt, being betrayed, trauma, domestic abuse of any kind, bullying, mistreatment, cruelty, low self-esteem, negative thinking, brooding, ruminating, overthinking, catastrophizing, irrational thinking. I should come back to that. Well, I'll do that later. Rejection, relationship breakups or divorce, feeling alone in life, not having enough friends or not having enough friends to be able to spend time with, dysfunctional families, bad friends or bad people, death, having a raging inner critic, being used or exploited, disempowering attitudes or beliefs, and low emotional abilities. So that's 20 things, and that's not the all-inclusive list. That's just 20 right up front, easy to think of things that can cause your heart to shrink because they can cause deep and painful wounds. And those are the things, by the way, that usually cause your heart to shrink or is when you feel wounded. So I want to give you a real life example of something that could shrink your heart. Well, in my case, it could, could have shrunk my heart and, you know, kind of just lay this out from the, the, the negative side. So back in the day, I won't give you details, but back in the day, I was in an organization and someone intentionally and maliciously started, knowingly started a false rumor about me, unbeknownst to me. But then eventually, as the rumor circulated in this organization, someone came to me, I'll never forget it, <laughs> said, oh, we need to have a little chat. And I said, oh, is it good? No. I said, oh, is it bad? Oh, yeah. How bad? Oh, it's bad. I'm like, oh, my God. And they were kind enough to tell me about the false rumor, which was very shocking. I mean, it was really, really shocking. And I said, okay, well, then we need to get to the bottom of it. We need to figure out number. Well, of course, I didn't know if it was false. I mean, it was. I thought it was false. We both thought it was false. But when you, you know, when you hear something, well, you've got to like have rational thinking and say, well, maybe it's true. Let's let's go explore. Let's go investigate. So we did an investigation to and privately on um, the low down, quietly talked to people to find out if it was true or not. Well, it was not true. There was no truth to the rumor, none whatsoever. In fact, the opposite was true. And so then we knew that it was a false 
rumor set out, you know, by someone who wanted to attack me and hurt me, which of course I was deeply hurt, partially because <clears throat> pretty much pretty much everybody in the organization had heard that. Of course, most of them just kind of knew it wasn't true, but it was still hurtful to me because I was young. And of course I wasn't thinking, well, most of the people just laughed it off and knew that it was a malicious attack, but I, I was just too young. I didn't really know that much about that. So I was deeply, deeply hurt that someone within an organization that I belong to would attack my character and my reputation in such a way. I mean, I just, it was my first real experience of that. So I thought, well, I'm going to quit. I don't want to be involved in an organization where someone would do that to me. It's not safe. So I talked to my parents first before I quit. I talked to my parents who were like, oh my God, you cannot quit. You just cannot quit. Just, just, just hang in there for another couple of days. Hang in there for a week. Promise us you won't quit. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, I talked to my parents separately because my parents weren't together. Well, they might have been together, but they weren't really ever together. So anyway, I talked to them separately and it ended, and I talked to the advisor for the organization and it ended up that both my father and my mother wrote me very, very long letters, very long, insightful letters, uh, begging me not to quit and talking to me about this type of experience, et cetera, et cetera which I probably still have the letters, but who knows where they are, packed in some memento box. If I even kept them, I think I probably did, but who knows. And anyway, so I got the letters, which was, of course, shocking to get written letters from each one of my parents, and it's just not the thing that neither one of them had ever done, and they had a lot to say. And so I promised them both that I would think about it and not make a rash decision, and, and in the end, I did not end up quitting and I went through and I processed my emotions because of course, you know, when you find out that there is no shred of truth to a false rumor, to a rumor, and then when you actually pinpoint the person who was the instigator, then it kind of starts to make sense that, well, so it turns out, you know, she was jealous and resentful of me and how people loved me and how people felt about me, which was, of course, the source of the rumor was people hated me, which was not true. And, and so I went through, processed my whole emotions, did not end up quitting, and I ended up forgiving her and feeling actually sorry for her that she would do something so mean and so cruel. That could have easily, had it not been for the intervention and the coaching and the support of three adults, could have, you know, A, I, I was going to quit. I was going to quit because I'm like a no bullshit zone people. I don't want to be around people who are nasty. I just, I have a low threshold for that. But, and, it, and I was, I was deeply hurt. I was deeply wounded. So that experience didn't end up shrinking my heart and did help me to grow my heart because I grew compassion for someone who's so sad, whose life is so incredibly sad that that's how they would manage their life. And, and this, you know, like people will do bad things to you all the time. And that 
is the thing that will often shrink your heart and wound you, but it doesn't have to. So hopefully that example, <laughs> I know like you cannot believe all the nasty bad stuff people have done to me over the years. It's, a, it's amazing that I still have a big heart, but I do have a big heart. So you want to understand that there are things that can easily cause your heart to shrink because you want to be able to protect your heart and you want to be able to take the steps and actions to grow your heart. Um, and by the way, you know, so I, I mentioned um, relationship breakups or divorce earlier in the list of things that can wound or shrink your heart. And after you know, a bad divorce, you know, I actually was wounded enough. I had to be put back together as a woman by this really great person who I wasn't even dating. Um, you know, so people can heal you and you just, if you have an awareness that this can happen, then you have an awareness to take the steps and take the actions to protect your heart. Because of course you want to have love in your life. You want that. And if you don't, I'm here to tell you that I hope you're going to think about it. All right. So here's a list, a partial list of things that can help grow your heart, protect your heart, and heal your heart. Uh, number one, love. Well, platonic friendships, as you heard earlier from my Velveteen Rabbit story, can help someone be loved, feel loved, and become real. So platonic friendships, platonic relationships, and love relationships. So number one is love, whether it's friendship or romantic. Two, healthy relationships. And the emphasis is on healthy because I know I've had unhealthy relationships with people because some people are unhealthy. And if someone's unhealthy, it's almost impossible to have a healthy relationship with them. All right. Happiness in your life. Having happiness in your life is amazing. <clears throat> and, and you want to have it on a regular basis, not like once in a blue moon. Growth and development. Growth and development can be very helpful to grow your heart and to protect your heart. Healing work. There's all kinds of healing work you can do, and sometimes you can be healed and put back together as a person without even knowing it's happening. Building self-esteem. Assertiveness. Rational thinking. Self-care. Having healthy boundaries. Self-compassion. Empowering attitudes and beliefs, strong coping mechanisms, having an optimistic mindset, and learning to control your mind. In other words, being present. And lastly, avoiding people, places, things, situations that are bad for you. All of those things. So that's 16 different things that can help grow your heart, protect your heart, and heal your heart. Which, by the way, the last one, avoiding people, places, events, situations that are bad for you, that could also be a boundary. It's one of my boundaries. There are just things I will not do, people I will not be with, things that I will just avoid because it's either hurtful to me or it's hurtful to someone else. And I just don't allow people to go around hurting other people. I am, I am not organized that way. So I want to give you some suggestions for growing your heart like the Grinch. Because, you know, like 
Come on. You want to have a big heart. You want to be able to have love. You want to be able to have all the benefits of love. So number one is self-awareness. That means you're aware of your own strengths and abilities. You are aware that maybe some areas could use some growth. And it also means that you're aware that some areas are just not your thing. Like, that's okay, too. Like, listen, I know I'll never cut a pan of brownies perfectly. That's not my thing. And I don't even try. And I know math and physics, four languages, working on car. I mean, there are plenty of things that aren't my thing. And I'm okay with that. And they're not areas where I have strengths and abilities. They're just, you know... I'm also aware that, you know, like, I'm not the best person for finding fault with other people. That's not my thing either. So awareness, the first thing that will help protect your heart and help you grow your heart like the Grinch is self-awareness. And I mean real self-awareness. Because when you're self-aware, that also means you're aware of things that could hurt you and aware of things you might want to avoid. So self-awareness, number one. Number two, self-compassion. Well, if you're not familiar with the fact that we all have something called an inner critic, let me tell you, you have an inner critic. The inner critic's job is to rail at you, condemn you, judge you, be harsh with you. It's just nasty. And you can tame your inner critic through a process. It will take some time. It took me, it took me a while. And once you tame your inner critic, then you have self-compassion. You can be compassionate with yourself, which is amazing. And it will help your heart. It will help protect your heart. And it will help you grow your heart. Now, that's not something that a lot of people have, self-compassion. But you want to ditch trying to be perfect. You want to be able to embrace your imperfections and taming your inner critic. So self-compassion is number two. Number three, self-esteem. Realizing that you are worthy of love. Realizing you are deserving of love. Feeling worthy of love. Feeling deserving of love. Realizing you're a good person and feeling worthy. That's self-esteem. Sadly, 85% of the population, according to all reports, have low self-esteem. So 85% of the population, according to the research, are walking around feeling like they don't deserve love, they're not worthy of love, they shouldn't have love, they don't deserve good things. You know, not, not that's not helpful. So I want, so the third thing is, you want to have self-esteem. So I want you to notice the first three suggestions for growing your heart like the Grinch, protecting your heart or healing your heart, self-awareness, self-compassion, self-esteem. What do they all have in common? Self. So it starts with you. You have to start with yourself. So if you want your heart to be big and you want to be the embodiment of love, then where you want to start with is yourself. Now, I'm going to give you other. I'm going to give you other things to do, because some people might not like those first three. And that's okay. But it's not accidental that self-awareness, self-compassion, self-esteem are on the list. No, there is no accident about that. Number four, be intentional. 
You have to be intentional when it comes to growing your heart because life has this, you know, painful edge to it. And, you know, the bad things I covered that can shrink your heart or hurt your heart, well, they happen all the time. So you want to be intentional with your heart and intentional with growing your heart, intentional with protecting and healing your heart. So are you being the embodiment of love? I have no idea. And personally, I have no skin in the game about how you live life. You're going to live your life however you live it. And as long as you're happy, and even if you're not happy, you know, there's plenty of people who are unhappy and they're not willing to do anything about it. But being intentional when it comes to growing your heart is very, very important, which is why I made the list as number four. Number five, assertiveness. Well, assertiveness is going to help you in every area of life. And it's certainly going to help you protect your heart and keep your heart from shrinking or being wounded because being assertive is going to help you protect you from being used or exploited. Because once you learn assertiveness, you're going to have a new skill set to be able to say, well, let me share my thoughts about that. So assertiveness is going to help you build self-esteem, self-confidence. Now remember, self-esteem was in the first three things. And it will help you build healthy boundaries. So assertiveness you could put on your list if you want to grow your heart like the Grinch. And I certainly think assertiveness is something we should be teaching every young person starting in kindergarten. But anyway, or, or preschool. Rational thinking, number six. If you are not using rational thinking, you're using irrational thinking or some other distorted view. So rational thinking is important because if you're thinking irrationally, that's a flawed way of thinking. It's a flawed perspective on life. Remember when I gave the example of the false, cruel, negative rumor that was started about me? You know, I went to people outside of myself for their perspective, for their view. Now, my view is rational and reasonable. I actually just didn't really understand that it would have been a huge deal to other people had I quit the organization. That I did not understand, and, and it would take forever for me to ever even accept that I was anything other than a regular member. But So you want to have rational thinking. Now, irrational thinking is very, very common and usually comes in the form of a cognitive distortion, which I have a podcast on. But rational thinking is like looking, irrational thinking is like looking at yourself through a carnival funhouse mirror. So you want to protect your heart and grow it like the Grinch. You've got to have an accurate mirror for your life, not a distorted mirror. Now, if you have a cognitive distortion, you can deal with that. You can get over that. That's not like a lifelong sentence, just like low self-esteem isn't either. Now, number seven empowering attitudes and beliefs. Well, if you're somebody who believes that the world is out to get you, that people are out to get you, that's not going to help your heart. It doesn't feel good. And it's actually the self-defeating prophecy. Just like if you believe people are all bad, well, that's probably not going to help your heart either. So you could believe people are basically good, or you could believe that a lot of people are basically good, like some some kind of in-between. 
you could view, I never get what I want, or you could view, well, the universe pretty much delivers what I want and what I need when I need it, when I actually really need it. So your um, attitudes and your beliefs can either help your heart or they can be a weight on your heart and shrink your heart. So empowering attitudes and beliefs are going to help you grow your heart. And now I'm not saying there's not bad people. Oh my goodness. I know all about dangerous and bad people. So, you know, but empowering attitudes and beliefs are going to, can help you grow and protect your heart. Number eight, healing and forgiveness. There's all kinds of ways that you can heal. I already, I already mentioned getting put back together as a woman by somebody that I wasn't even dating. So like healing can happen through platonic friendships in all kinds of ways. And, you know, you want to heal from wounds and hurts and betrayal and breakups, you know, you want to heal from that. And holding a grudge, by the way, is basically a poison you drink yourself. If you're holding a grudge against somebody, that's hurting you and that's hurting your heart. People often have misconceptions about forgiveness and they think, well, if I don't forgive them, I'm kind of one up, I'm better than them. Forgiveness is for you, has nothing to do with them. I have a whole podcast about forgiveness, but I'm telling you, forgiveness is the high road and forgiveness is what's going to help grow and protect your heart. I mean, that person who started the nasty rumor about me that I mentioned earlier, you know, I eventually saw her up front and personal and I was very nice. Hi, how are you? And she was just stunned. She almost started to cry. And I said, oh, don't worry. I forgive you. No, don't worry. And I mean, it was just stunning. So you want to have forgiveness because that's good for your heart. All right. Number nine, learn to control your mind. Well, we have a lot of people who engage in overthinking, catastrophizing, brooding, ruminations, blah, blah, blah. That can be dealt with by learning how to control your mind. I have a whole podcast about that, but there's lots of different ways to learn to be present, be mindful, and have control over your thoughts. Number 10, optimism. Optimism is very powerful. I have a whole podcast about that, and that's actually better for your heart as well. Negative thinking takes advantage of the self-defeating prophecy, which just shoots yourself in the foot. So you can shift from being negative to being more optimistic if you are intentional and do the work. Number 11, making happiness and love your number one priority. Well, we live in a world and a society where we have a lot of people who are unhappy. They are. And there, and there's good reason for that. But anyone can learn the skill sets and the abilities to be happy and to have love. So I don't know why you wouldn't want that. But learning happiness skills and having love in your life is certainly going to help you grow your heart. I mean, where you can just be sad and be depressed or have anxiety or whatever. Like, it's your choice. This is your life. You live it however you want to live it. I have no skin in the game about what you do. But I am committed that you're happy, healthy, and well-loved, which is why we're talking about how to grow your heart like the Grinch. So make happiness and love your number one priority, especially being well-loved. Number 12, grow your emotions to be a superpower. 
well, I'm a diehard fan of this. Um, <laughs> emotions are a superpower, but like Spider-Man, you have to learn how to use them. Spider-Man didn't know how to shoot the webbing when he first discovers that he even has webbing. And we're not teaching people emotional skills. We're not. And that's actually contributing to suicide and addictions and depression and all kinds of problems is because people don't know how to identify, manage, and process their emotions. So I have a podcast about that, but this is like amazing. It's just the, one of the best things. And it's really great for your heart. You want to grow your heart? Learn your emotional abilities. Now, lastly, so, <laughs> you know, listen, so there's a whole bunch of suggestions about things that you can do to grow your heart. Now, and another way, which is probably the easiest way, but is to just go be with the love of your life. I mean, I have known people that that's the only thing they did and that's all they needed to do. I mean, you just need to be with the right person who appreciates you, loves you, values you, and everything else seems to sort itself out. So I wasn't going to include that, but I know enough people that that's actually all they did. So you could do that. So here's your takeaways from Grow Your Heart Like the Grinch. Number one, your heart is malleable. So you want it to grow and not shrink. And you want to have love be abundant and everywhere, not scarce. Number two, my suggestion is that you be the embodiment of love and do whatever it takes to have love be present and abundant in your life. And number three, it's time to get on the road for growth and development because that's where you're going to be able to really grow your heart. I hope that you're going to share this podcast with other people to help them because listen, you know, like that would make a difference. Share it with the people that you love and care about so they can become awake and aware about how they can protect their heart and how they can grow it. That's it. I'm Lisa Lundy saying thank you for listening to my Love Life podcast, episode number 92, Grow Your Heart Like the Grinch. I hope you're going to start thinking about how you can grow your heart, because I do believe your heart is malleable, healable, and you can grow it just like the Grinch. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe so you get the new ones automatically because of course you wouldn't, want, you wouldn't want to miss one. Share this podcast on social media and with the people that you love and touch base with me on my website. Of course, I hope you're going to enter my giveaway. That's all. Take care for now. Love you. Bye.